Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast brought to you by, as always, ZipRecruiter. Having a high sports IQ is important. We just saw that on display at the Summer League in Vegas. Wendell Carter went seventh. It seems like he should have gone higher. Kevin Knox went ninth. He should have gone higher. Marvin Bagley went second. Trey Young went fifth. Not too sure about that one. Look, when it comes to hiring, you don't need a high hiring IQ. Just use ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets for sporting events, concerts, and more for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, baseball, or whatever. You know what to do? Use promo code BS. Do it for baseball right now. Nobody wants to go to baseball games. You'll get a great deal. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. It is Monday, Monday afternoon. A lot of us were in Las Vegas for the last few days at The Ringer. On Friday, we ran a podcast and I realized it was at the first 30 minutes of it were me and David Chang and Cousin Sal and Joe House fresh off a long night gambling together the night before. And a reader pointed this out to me a couple of days later. I had written in a mailbag once how I always thought a great TV show would be just people having breakfast with each other after a night in Vegas, retelling all the stories and arguing about what they should have done and not done and things like that. I think we actually achieved that with this podcast. We were very fresh off everything that happened. That first 30 minutes, really, it really held up. It was fun to re-listen to because I had no sleep and, uh, and couldn't remember anything that happened. So I was actually learning stuff about the night for the first time. But that was really fun. We had a great time in Vegas. Uh, Got to say, everybody was super nice. We had a booth at the Thomas and Mack Center. Liz Kelly, Alex Lee, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and others handing out T-shirts and stickers. We had an awesome photo booth. And needless to say, it was our wheelhouse, the people that were there. The crossover of Summer League and The Ringer, the Venn diagram was definitely there. It was really fun. We're bringing everyone next year. We're bringing every employee we have, except Robert Mays. We're not bringing him. But we're bringing everybody else next year to uh, to Summer League. We really had a fun time. I, I am staggered by how many people go now. I tweeted about this the other day, but I actually went to Summer League in 2001 it was in UMass, Boston. I went in 2001, 2002, the last two summers I lived there. And at the time it was, to say it wasn't a thing is probably overstating it. There were people there, there was lines, but you're talking, you know, it was in a Div 3 gym. I would say there were maybe seven, 800 people there. I remember the first year the Celtics had drafted Kedrick Brown, who they were all excited about with the 10th or 11th pick. And he was there. And had some great dunk. We it was the first time I've gotten overexcited for a summer league player and then regretted it later. Not the last. But to watch what it's blossomed into 17 years later, where they have two arenas at the same time. And in one of them, you got 18,000 people watching pretty crappy basketball, but really enjoying it. It's it's just a testament to the craziness that's gone on with the NBA and how it's a 12 month a year sport now and people care about the rookies and you have situations where you're watching sports center and over a baseball update, you have something scroll on the bottom of the ticker that Trey young is going to miss tonight's summer league game. There's gambling for this stuff. It's just crazy. I went, I remember in 07, I think was the first year they had summer league 
in Vegas and I went, I convinced ESPN the magazine to send me. I was very proud of it to go write a column about what it's like at Summer League. I really just wanted to go to Vegas. And they had the two arenas and there weren't a lot of people there, but it seemed like something didn't know what it was. And now it's just blossomed into not only a massive event, not only a massive rookie showcase and a fun way to just watch basketball. All the teams are there now. They have the league meetings there and it extends this NBA cycle, which starts, you know, you go all the way through the season, season, preseason, September, it goes all the way through playoffs, April, May, June, playoffs end. We immediately go to the draft, draft ends. Now it's like, who's moving to what team all the way to July 1st trades, July 1st happens. Everybody makes their stupid signings. And then, and then it goes to summer league and then there's more dumb signings. And all of a sudden it's like July 20th and the, and preseason's six weeks away. It is amazing what they pulled off. The NBA is a 12 month a year sport. And, and I can just tell you from the ringers traffic patterns, like people want to read basketball. They want to listen to it. They want to watch it. And it was really cool to be there. We had a great time. Thank you to Caesar's palace. We ran a little Thing Caesar's Palace was nice enough to host us there and at the Flamingo for all the ringer people we had. They were great. They gave us this huge villa where we did the pod on Friday. And they also gave us a little deal. If you want to stay at any of the Caesar's properties, what do you do? You go to the website, right, Isaac? Caesarspalace.com. There's like an offer code that we have. Yeah, yeah. It's LV Pod. And you can get up to 10% off on a room, I think up until after Christmas. So check that out. Thanks to Caesar's. Congrats on finally modernizing your sports book, by the way, Caesars. It looked cool. I don't know what you're waiting for, but I liked it. And that's it. What we're running right now is the live podcast that we did from Caesars Palace on Friday night at Cleopatra's Barge. A whole crew of people, Chris Ryan, Shea Serrano, Jace Concepcion, Joe House, Cousin Sal, David Chang, Daryl Morey, Haralabob Volgaris. Anyway, did I get everyone? I think I got everyone. Yeah. Well, if there's anyone else, you'd be surprised you listen to this. This is the live podcast that we did. It was, I think we had about 175 people there. That was the capacity of the place. It was cool. It was a fun, it was a fun vibe. It was great to see everybody. And the highlight for me was Joe House coming out with the Las Vegas Golden Knights t-shirt, the crowd applying, and then he unbuttoned it. And the crowd was really cheering for House. And then he unbuttoned it and it said losers on the bottom of the t-shirt. And the crowd turned on House for the rest of the night. <laughs> he lost the crowd. Anyway, here is the uh, the live podcast from Caesars Palace on Friday night. Here we go. everybody. I'd like to introduce uh, from the ringer, Chris Ryan. Jason Concepcion. The one, the only Shea Serrano. And the guy who ruined my basketball, Daryl Morey. You dog. Yeah! Rockets GM. No. I don't blame you for ruining modern basketball, Daryl. Um, you made it better, for sure. Uh, you just, you embrace math.
So this segment is something that we hatched basically 2018. You think of all the advantages we have right now with uh, to following basketball. You have League Pass, you have Twitter, Instagram, all these fun things. So what events in basketball history could have happened back in the day that if they happened now would have been absolutely amazing? I think we're, we're taking the Artest Melee off the board because that would have been the Uh-oh. number one choice. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wait, that was my main one. <laughs> well, you can still do it. All right, I'm going to um, But things like that, things that happened, the NBA has been around, I don't know, 71 years at this point. It's just more fun to be a basketball fan. But what would have been fun now versus when it happened? Jason, you go first. Well, I think culture is underrated uh, in terms of the way it affects a basketball team. A.C. Green uh, played for the Lakers for eight years, Showtime Lakers, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, one of the most virile teams, Dr. Dr. Bus, of course. Magic. Um, magic. And, uh, and he managed to uh, remain a virgin for those eight years, playing with those guys in that city at that time. James Worthy busted in a prostitution uh, sting in Houston in 1990. Two prostitutes. Two prostitutes. Magic Johnson, uh, Dr. Buss, of course, uh, a fan of... Everyone. Everyone. (laughs) Uh, and, And he maintains that virginity. And I think it's one of the great records in sports history, and I don't think it'll ever be broken. Do you think there's been an NBA virgin since... David Robinson. Uh, <laughs> David Robinson only had sex to have a child. Like, that was it. We have one time a child, one time that's it. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Did AC admit he was a virgin yeah. when that happened? Yeah. And you think about what it would have been like now. I mean, even in like maybe more 2015, this would have been the case. But the, the tumblers alone, is AC still a virgin.tumblr.com right. would have been great. I mean, you would have had so many opportunities to, to work on so many different platforms. Did AC fuck tonight? Yes or no? <laughs> Dude, people, rappers would have been yeah. shouting mountain songs. I, I got blue balls like AC. Oh Daryl, <laughs> would you have uh, moved the virgin up or down on your draft board? <laughs> wow. Down. For sure down. Down, yeah. Down? It's, yeah, it's oh. suspect. Why down? Yeah. Um, it's better for guys to be real. I mean, okay. so if He's they're good. saying that, they're lying. <laughs> oh, that's true. That is a good point. What were you going to say, Shay? No, I was just wondering why. I don't know. I thought it was good to be a virgin, but what do I know? I don't know. Uh, I think if you have, yeah. Did he ever say why he was doing it? Uh, spiritual reasons. For spiritual reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Just not fucking for Jesus. Just. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not his spiritual choice that I think is the funny part. It's the where he chose to make that choice. Yes, and, and the, the time. In Los Angeles in the 80s and be like, not for me, though. Later on, there was an earthquake, and that was when he finally did it. <laughs> <Is that true? laughs> I would have believed that. Uh, you mentioned in passing the James Worthy double prostitute right. uh, sting. It was a sting. It was that a sting also, this was an honorable mention for this conversation. I believe he played that night. <laughs> At the overworked Twitter joke of the week would have been about how James always liked handling the double team and those kind of <laughs> the variations and things like that. Uh, Chris, what's your first thing that you wish had happened in 2018? Well, I this is an interesting one because when you asked us to do this, I started looking at some of the favorite moments that I had had growing up, and a lot of them are a lot sadder than I remember them to be. Yeah. You're like, 
practice we're talking about practice is actually pretty dark when you investigate it a little bit. So the one I want to go with... Wait, wait, why was it dark? I don't remember it being I think dark. he might have been hitting the sauce around that time. There was like some dark stuff happening in his personal life. This is Iverson in 2002, so at the end of the 0102 season. So when you, got, you're saying that was when he started hitting the sauce? <laughs> yeah, it was losing to the Celtics drove him to drink. Okay. Uh, but I thought that the one that I really wanted to talk about was the 07 Sun Spurs. Uh, and the yeah. Robert Ori body check of Steve Nash. Both from a, it would have worked great on Twitter. We would have yeah. Zapruder filmed the shit out of this thing. Oh, yeah. Right. We would have just been like, look, you can see the intent in his eyes. And yeah. then, like, you know, like Nash is flopping. And it was like all these Neymar gifts would have been used. But also, the post game <laughs> comments are incredible because Dan Tony is like, we live in a security state where telescopes are watching us at all times. This is 07, way ahead, <laughs> pre-Snowden. And he's just like, everyone's watching everything. And you're telling me that Stoudemire left the bench. And then Pop's reaction was, I thought that Nash made the, basically was like, Nash made a meal of that. Like it was he an end of game did. foul. Okay, yeah, he, he 100% did. He, he did kind of act. He does this. Bit. Yeah. Like after he hits it's a little Neymar esque. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not paranoid if it's true. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. There are so many great characters involved. There's like, if you look at the stories now, there's Pop, there's Jerry Colangelo, there's Mike D'Antoni, Nash. Nash was like trying to make it be like, it's all good. This is like hockey. You know, don't suspend people for it. But the best thing about it, I think, was just like how sanctimonious people got about yes. about it, and yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. would have just played so perfectly today. We would have gotten like two weeks of takes out of this, and and guess what? What the Spurs were fucking villains back then, so everybody hated the Spurs. They were not the villains back then, and yeah, it was were. like They've never been the yes, villains. They were. No, it was great because everybody was just like, if I have to watch the Spurs again, I'm gonna fire myself into space. And they were like these bad guys who were taking down seven seconds or less. So that I was thought, that was peak boring Spurs era. Yeah. When's the last time the best team has been also the most evil team? That was before Twitter, and when the me, you know, we have, the media would make fun of the Spurs, and then you realized about 2011, like, oh, I don't want to fuck with the Spurs fans ever. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And that was when it uh, when it came around. Yeah, and then also it was like, oh, I respect the Spurs. You don't want to be right in way. a stadium full of drunk Mexicans. Fine organization. It's getting, it's getting rough. The Spurs. It's getting rough. I, see, there. the one thing about that 07 thing was I still think the Spurs had the best team. I of think course they had the best when team. Stuff, when stuff of course they had the best team. It starts being like, oh, the Suns, they should have won. And no. I, the Spurs were great that They year. lost three times with their whole team. Like, get the fuck yeah. out of here. We were going to win the series. <laughs> they were up by 20 points in game five at home and still lost. And then came back to Tony and still lost. But that they whole lost. series was like a war. Like we have some one. pretty bad playoff series. That was days. the game. Was that in the game one when Nash yeah, said the Raja hit Steve yeah. in the face? Then the Spur- Suns right. blew them out in the game two. Mm-hmm. Suns medical staff came out with some gaffer tape and was like, "Let's try and uh, tape this stuff back together." Yeah, that was, yeah. It was like a UFC injury. Uh, the other thing I liked about that was that was Stern at the height of his. I'm David Stern. I'll do whatever I want. Daryl, don't comment. You might, he might still be able to find you, even though he left six years ago. Uh, but just doing whatever he wanted. Not doing things for the spirit of the game, but just like, here's the law. Everyone's benched. And, I, and, I know where the bodies are buried, David Stern. Yeah, he said that. He said that. You wonder, like, what does that mean? What is that? Literally, what does what that bodies? mean? What does that mean, Daryl? <laughs> still said it out. Uh, Shay, what do you got? Well, I was going to do the Ron Artest one that do you it. Do it. Let's do it anyway. Yeah, right, no, the crowd one. You Early, want the Artest? Yeah, that was... yeah right. Uh, 
crowd chanting for the Artest Melee. Yeah, that was my, I mean, if we're picking stuff, there's a bunch of like little ones you can go. Like, of course, we would, Jordan retiring would have been yeah. mayhem. <laughs> like, if LeBron retired for two years, it'd been fucking crazy for the whole two years he was gone. Well, especially with all the conspiracies yeah. that were flowing around at the time, for, too. For sure. So you've got that one. Uh, I thought maybe a quick one would be Reggie's eight points in nine seconds. How dare you? We're not, but, we're not uh, but, too soon. But I think you have, I think you would need to like stretch that out. So that happened in 95. In 94, you've got the 25 points in the fourth quarter. Spike in, Lee. In New York, yeah. series tied 2 2. Like that would have been a fun one to be on Twitter for because it just kept building and building and building. And Reggie was getting meaner and meaner and meaner. That one for sure. But I've never hated a, a, an athlete the way I hated him. He's the only guy that I was like, you know what? If he broke his leg, I'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? I, I've never felt like that before, but he's the one guy. I actually oh, think right. during the Twitter era, Spike takes it like a real beating for he would have got killed for, for him going at Reggie like he, he did. He would have got killed in New York. People were like, "Sit down, stop." Why are you doing this? Yeah. You thought he was like egging him on yes. and like firing him up? He, he definitely was. was egging him on. 100% egging him on. But yeah, the, I think the, the Artest Melee was, I mean, Malice at the Palace is crazy. You've got so much stuff that happens. The whole clip is like nine minutes long from the Ben Wallace yeah. shoving Artest in the face. The Ben Wallace throws the towel on him. Later. Angry Ben Wallace is one of the most frightening things that's ever happened. Yeah, I was watching an interview with uh, Steven Jackson when he was talking about the, the thing. And he explained, like, a lot of people didn't know, but Ben Wallace's mother had passed, like, a, right before that whole thing happened. So he was already sort of out of it. But there's just so much stuff. We would have had so much zooming in on every single little yeah. punch. And, like, there's a clip. You barely see it in the clip now of Jamal Tinsley running out of the tunnel, holding a fucking dustpan, swinging it <laughs> at people. Like, we would have saw so much more stuff. Like, that would have been incredible. That would have been, that's got to be what the What about one. Jermaine O'Neal just erasing that one dude? Turtle. He yeah, almost like, killed that guy. Bo, 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 bo. If he doesn't slip, Full that guy's dead for real. Full extension. He, I got to say, for me, the Artest Melee is almost like when like our parents or grandparents talk about where they were when JFK got assassinated, where they remember where they were. I remember exactly I where I was. I remember everything about the night of the Artest Melee. That's what it was like for me. I went to my brother's friend's apartment this guy owned like five different kinds of snakes. And he's like, Jay, you got to see this crap that just happened in Detroit. Fucking mayhem. You got to see this. And I'm like, what happened? And then yeah. he played it. Well, it was, was like, in the pre-Twitter era. It really was telephone. It was I mean, go home and watch SportsCenter. Yeah. We, had, we had Blackberries back then, right? Where I guess we had so <laughs> I was alerted to it. <laughs> I remember. We had beepers. I had, I remember Joe House called me or I called him and we were just on the phone watching it. Like, hey, nowadays we, we were just been on Twitter dissecting it. What were you Can saying? I add? Yeah. Can I add something? Please. So, no one talks about this. Weeks before, you'd know this because Boston. So I'm working for the Celtics. Weeks before this, Ron tries to go in the stands in Boston and literally is tossing security guards. No one talks about this. This is like weeks before he actually goes in the stands. And the only one who keeps him in the stands is Mel Daniels. Really? All right. Wow. Who grabs him, pulls him down. He could physically manhandle Ron and dragged him into the locker room. So, so Ron might not have been all so that. That would have been. I don't know. That's <laughs> my conclusion. That would have been studied, prior, you know, once this came out because of. Well, I remember when I was a kid, the Celtics in the '81 Eastern Finals were playing the Sixers. They were down three-one. They won Game Five. Go to Philly for Game Six, and they're down twenty in the second half. And Maxwell ended up behind the basket yeah, fighting for right. a ball. And somebody said something to him, and he just ran in and started choking the guy. <laughs> Everybody's in there. They put him back. He stayed in the game. 
And then and it was like it was considered a rallying point for the Celtics. So that, when Max went in the stands, that was when we knew. It was like, what? <laughs> but it's actually on YouTube. What do you got, Daryl? Might as I'd want social media for my young Cleveland self. Oh. Uh, Indians are on the cover and then come in last. The fumble, the drive, and then Jordan hitting the shot against oh, us would have been peak Cleveland depression. And I would have like a Russian went, novel. Yeah. I yeah. just needed friends. Yeah, it's a Dostoevsky yeah. arc. I would have just wanted friends at that period. So, so what was the arc there? So you had the the the, like the drive, the fumble, fumble, the fumble, major league with Charlie yeah. Sheen. <laughs> the, the Indians were on the cover of SI, then came in last of the year. They predicted them to win. Yeah, and then the shot. You know, Jordan obviously over Elo, which everyone acts like was like this big surprise. No, it's like a thirteen footer. Yeah, it's like just the and it's over Elo. You know, yeah. so yeah. I mean, Elo would have been a meme. The way he collapses, he like yeah. spins and collapses. It's a great one. Yeah. He really hung up. Uh, my first one, this is great. This was, I think, it might have been the first year I had my website. Uh, so 96, 97. The Mavericks had Jason Kidd and Jimmy Jackson and oh, Jamal Mashburn. Yeah. These three young high lottery picks. So I guess it would be the equivalent of if it was Ben Simmons, Embiid, and Markel Fultz now. Like it was like that, almost that level. And None of them liked each other, but there was no way to talk about it because we didn't really have a fully formed internet. <laughs> and all we had back then were like newspapers and Sports Illustrated and basically early sports radio. Internet and chat rooms. And cha- internet chat rooms. So we had the early dark web. And those guys hated each <laughs> That's other. That's not what the dark web is, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I'm old. Uh, but, uh, but those guys hated each other. And then it comes out that Tony Braxton who is an R&B singer. What's her equivalent now? What's Tony Braxton's equivalent in 2018? Uh, Ashanti. Okay. <laughs> it turns out she... Juliet, what's Tony Braxton's 2018 equivalent? Tinashe. Tinashe. Wow. Tinashe. Yeah, that's actually perfect. Yeah. So she dated two of them or got involved with one and then might have hooked up with the other. Allegedly. It was, it was murky. Yeah. It was murky. It was unclear, but there was some sort of love triangle that formed. That led to basically everybody getting traded within a year. So Shoemaker, David Shoemaker works for The Ringer, was encouraging me to pick this. And I, so I was reading up on it about before the show. She put out an album called Secrets, which had, and then when she went on the promo tour for it, she was like, I don't kiss and tell, but was not dispelling that it could have involved one or two of the guys who also, did you know that they were called the Triple J Ranch? I was yeah. not aware of that. That's not a great nickname for a basketball team, it's, frankly. It's like a, it's a uh, but that she was like basically like alluding to some sort of affair going on. Yeah. But in in retrospect, probably there was already locker room problems there before Tony got got there. Shay, you don't remember this before your time? No, I was paying attention to the Mavericks then. I never watched the Mavericks. See, that's the thing. Nobody knew this happened, <laughs> and it got me thinking how badly we need a love triangle in the NBA right now. We've had. You know, how do you know there aren't any? Yeah, I hate yeah. to break well, you. Is that- one that we know about, I guess, would be my point. But we've had NBA players that date celebrities. They've dated somebody who somebody used to date, but we've never seen a team basically combust over a love triangle. I mean, with I the Kardashian family, it's like a love tetrahedron. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a love killer octopus. Uh, what's your second one, Jason? Uh, L.A. Sacramento game six. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, I mean, that got like a groan one. from the crowd. Jesus. If 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 it was today with 
DVRs and GIFs and replaying that play where Kobe runs over Mike Bibby, elbows him in the nose, and then the foul is on Bibby. Like, it would have been just peak vitriol, peak controversy, people screaming at each other that the, that the game is 100% fixed. It would have been wild. And plus, like, the Lakers took a million foul shots in that game. Shaq fouled out everybody. He did. He fouled out, like, every center they everybody. had, I think. Everybody. But the worst one was Kobe, the, the forum to Mike Bibby's face, was, yeah. as you mentioned, it, uh, not only was a foul, it was probably like a throw the guy out foul. I mean, that was the one where all the other fouls, you're like, I get it. I understand Shaq is impossible to referee. That's the only one where you're like, it's fixed. This game is fixed. Something, wh- why? Why is the foul on Bibby? Literally- well, it was funny, for a few years, it was even hard to find this game on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually it, it ended up there. But I, that was another where I remember where I watched that. I was at my 10-year college reunion, and I was so angry at the bar. I was like, oh, my God, they're rigging the game. What is happening? Because <laughs> it really did feel that way. I don't, I, it probably doesn't feel in retrospect as bad as I, it was that, at the moment. But. That whole series would have been great for Twitter. Because you had, like, that's the Robert Ory Robert game Horry. in Game yeah. 4. Mike Baby game winner in Game 5. Yeah. The, the cheating in game six. Yeah. Oh, and, and then, then the, the page of Christie threes the air balls. The air ball. Page is wide open. Wide open. And how do you, air, like the greatest shooter in the NBA at the time, just air ball. You don't even fucking hit the backboard. I mean, game seven was a choke job. Yeah. yeah. They, they weren't ready for it. That would have been like, so much fun yeah. on Twitter while they were melting oh, down. Oh, it would have been incredible. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. they missed like half their free throws. They, it would have been like if they missed like 27 three-pointers in a row. Yeah. I that would have been when like... Peja, when Peja got that wide open three... <laughs> oh! <laughs> I was waiting the whole... Talk about the Celtics. I was waiting the whole day. I was waiting the whole day <laughs> to say... <laughs> Texas yeah, rivalry. Yeah, we were right. close. Yeah, we were close. <laughs> that was like a... Alley-oop. No, look, the you, Rock, were, you the, were rooting for us, right? The Rockets are going to shit on the Spurs for like the next 10 years, so I got to take every little <laughs> shot that I can. <laughs> uh, we had, so four years later was the Dwayne Wade Finals, game three, oh, game man. four, game yes. five. Shot all those free throws. We, didn't, we still didn't have Twitter yet, but the internet was in better shape. And people really rallied around, what the hell? This, how does this happen? There was, yeah. for the first time, like videos and... I felt like that was the last time we've had something that egregious. I actually didn't even think the LeBron charge block thing in game one of the 18 finals. Like, it ended up being the right call. He was moving. He it was the right call. They still shouldn't have made they it. Ma- they messed it up, but it was... wild that they did make it on LeBron. That, 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 yeah, that's the what third right. foul of his career, I think. What? That he was <laughs> what, what was the game when in the Mavericks Heat series when Josh Howard called the timeout? When they when Avery didn't want him to. Oh, that was game five. Was that was that yeah. what that would have been so crazy? That was tough. That was a tough yeah. look for the Mavs. What that was the end of his career. What do you got for your second one? Chris? I'll just say because I mentioned practice. We're talking about practice, which would have been like it, it would be basically the equivalent of like Russell Westbrook now doing that because it would be a guy oh, coming man. off an MVP season, but then having a disappointing follow up season and having a meltdown in front of the local media in his exit interview. But to counterbalance that. I want to throw out Iverson stepping over Ty Lue. That was going to be mine. Uh, because it's a foundational block in NBA Twitter anyway. Yes. It's a meme we still use constantly. And I don't even know, because like when you think about it so much, with the exception of like Steph threes, which are just these incre- incredibly unique acts, so much of it is like a dunk, a three, yes. a block. The things that we are understanding like like as a usual pl- highlight. Iverson stepping over Lou 
was so crazy when it, it happened. Crazy, and it was just so disrespectful, but in a way that didn't involve like a like a physical altercation. It was just like I am I am like not going anywhere in this game. Do you think so- they would call him for a technical for that now? No, he's no, just, no he's just moving. He was going in the direction. Yeah, you think so, Daryl? Uh, Daryl's. Let's no, think it. Okay. Thanks. It's really <laughs> that, it. that moment is really the triumph of depends like, on the ref. I think triumph of moment over narrative because people you forget um, you don't really forget but like you forget that the Lakers won that series. Yeah, I, it's like, I remember that 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 moment is like is iconic in yeah. a way that is separate from what actually happened. And at the series. time, actually, when the end of the interviews, remember, but the end of game one. They lost, obviously. Yes. But they, uh, well, walk, Iverson walked out into the middle of the floor and started clapping at Lakers fans, being like, we're not going to be easy targets. So that was actually the thing that I remember more than the step over. You know, the other thing with Iverson, if he played now in 2018, there would be a lot of cell phone casino footage. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Iverson peeing in a plane at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> the Periscoping from the hookah bar would right. be in it full w- effect. It would not yeah. be great for him. On game day. Yeah, right before. Chris, what do you got, Shay? Chris, well, Chris stole my second one, so let me ask a different version of that question. But if Allen Iverson plays today, he's beloved in NBA history oh, right now. Yeah. But if he plays today, it's like, different. Is it is it different? Is he like is is it him and Russell Westbrook together? I don't think he would have handled the twenty four seven fishbowl very well because he could barely handle the media well, and it was a lot less complicated back then. I want I guess. want Allen Iverson on Twitter. I, I think Georgetown Allen Iverson would have been a much bigger thing because <laughs> okay. he he was like so phenomenal back then. Mm. So you don't have another one? You're you're passing. I, I got a ton of them. But... You wrote a freaking basketball book. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and an office book. Um, a PDF. Yeah, yeah. It's a PDF. Yeah. PDF. PDF. Um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick one that would only be fun for like ten people all yeah. in San Antonio. But 2003 in the Western Conference Finals, Spurs are playing the Mavs, and we're losing in Game Six. Steve Kerr game. Steve Kerr game. Comes off the bench, hadn't played the whole game. Yeah. Comes in, hits four threes. He's fucking diving all over the place. Just terrorizing. It was a sports movie. Poor Stevie Nash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then after the game, he's like, you know, talking about how great he was in the series, which is wonderful because he barely played. But that would have been fun for me and the nine other people in San Antonio who have the internet. Yeah. And those those people, apparently. You have another one, Daryl? Yeah, I'd say uh, the Joe Smith situation. Secret backroom deal. Oh, yeah. Oh, the wink winker. Yeah. Checking facts, records. You had, you had a contract in a vault. You know, Thank God so stuff like that Draft picks lost. You know, <laughs> lost. Right. Thank the, God the NBA today is completely above board. Yeah, that, that, thank <laughs> God there's no tampering anymore. Yeah, there's never. no tampering. Yeah. <laughs> I remember never. when Daryl telepathically guessed that Chris Paul wanted to play for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He held a spoon to his head and was like, Chris Paul is calling me. I use clairvoyant Bill. Clairvoyant, clairvoyant Bill. 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 <laughs> the, the tampering rules, there are no rules anymore, right? Are there rules? He can't answer that question. They're, they're very specific rules we follow. <laughs> is it like the speed limit where the speed limit's 55, but nobody goes 55? They just go whatever they want unless it's like 80? All I can say, we pour over the rules and follow every, every sentence okay. of it. All right. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, the Steve Kerr game, one of my favorite things about that is that it's called the Steve Kerr game. It is. I love when games become named out, like the J.R. Smith game. Yeah. Now, is this somebody say too soon? Uh, 
The J.R. Smith game, there probably could have been other games that would have been the J.R. Smith game because he's had a checkered career. Yes. Uh, but this was 100% the J.R. Smith game. And the thing was, because I, I was there because we were doing that HBO show, you knew it immediately. Oh, it was, yeah. We're on the court going, this is the J.R. Smith game. We'll be talking about this for years <laughs> from now. It was very similar to uh, an honorable mention that I think we could have thrown out for this, the Nick Anderson oh. missing four Oh, that would have been tough. To flip the uh, Orlando series in, that in been game tough. one. Orlando-Houston game one, mm-hmm. 95, four straight. I think, it, I, Chris, play this out. You're a Twitter expert. Sure. People pile on to him immediately, and then there's the backlash to people being too mean, the defense of Nick Anderson, and then the backlash. I think there's three backlashes within an hour and a half. Oh, within 27 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Anderson, we go from Nick Anderson and then all like the crying, the crying gifts or whatever we would have. But then immediately afterward, it would be like, anybody who's ever tried at something knows how hard it is oh, to yeah, succeed. Oh, yeah, that's and maybe if you guys weren't such, you know, keyboard gangsters, you'd know. Right. And then we would have the follow-up to that that would be like, no, this is actually... You'd have the analytics people, like, it's 1 yes. in 64, it yeah. Yeah. happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then you'd get the reenactors. You'd get the guy yeah. who, like, reenacts it in his driveway of Nick Anderson being, like, well, it's funny, shaking like, at the line. When we talk about some of these moments, you know, like the DeAndre Jordan spurning Dallas and the Clippers going to his house and that whole thing, which is now lauded and remembered as one of the greatest basketball Twitter moments of it all time. True. Wouldn't have cracked like the top 50 of things that could have happened. It was like this center on the Clippers. He was good. He was a borderline all-star. He changed his mind. And we treated it like it was like the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> and they're taking photos of plants in the house. And, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> or a Clippers-Rockets tunnel thing, which would have been... Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that yeah. was a good one. Do that would have absolutely nothing. 20 years ago. People don't know you were in the back egging those guys to go in there. <laughs> go get them. Like, hey, we got to stand up for ourselves, guys. I was in the back. It was the first time I was checking Twitter to see what was happening where I was. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it says stuff is happening, but I don't see it. Nothing's happening. <laughs> did you do your second one? I can't remember. What's that? Yeah, I did. Okay. I did. It was, it was uh, Joe Smith. It was so memorable. Yeah. yeah so. No, no, no. I've, I've, uh, I have some runner-ups. And then I'm going to go to my to my big one. Yeah. We didn't guess it. Well, I I don't think I think we glossed over the Jordan baseball thing. Yeah. Jordan if, Jordan if LeBron was it's like LeBron's retiring and he's going to play double A baseball. I I that, I actually think the internet would break. It would be like wait a second, is We're LeBron like baseball? internet? Is he play baseball? He'd be like what? What? He's do what? And then the conspiracy theories would have been completely out of control all summer. And people would have lost their shit. So I don't think we can gloss over that. Uh, my favorite one, though, so the Celtics win the 1976 title. I knew this was going to be a Celtics thing. I could, you feel, it, know, I could feel it coming. It's a really, I real shocker. You the runner up. freaking right? Philly one. Uh, Dave Cowens, next year, decides he loses his desire to play tech. basketball and asks for a leave of absence from the team. And during this time, he drives a cab in Boston... And there's reports of, Dave, of people, Dave Cowens, this one night, people getting picked up by Dave Cowens in a taxi cab. So that happened. And then he worked at Suffolk Downs, which is a racetrack outside of Boston, and got like a nine-to-five job at Suffolk Downs because he wanted to know what it was like to have a real job. This happened for the first 38 games of the season. Who's like, Dave Cowens' this comp is, today? All-Star was- Center, uh, Goon. I think he, he was either won the MVP or he was the number two. Would it be MVP. like if Boogie was driving no, a was, cab? He was better than Boogie. I would say like 
I don't like uh, thinking like uh, what power forward, like not quite Anthony Davis, but like he was like one of the nine best guys in the league. Okay. And just disappeared. And then it was like in Boston, people were like, where's Cowens? This is like a like, Mad Men episode. It was. <laughs> and then he just randomly came back. Like nothing happened. And then the season went on. But it got me thinking if a player just quit and just went into the general workplace. Remember, remember that would Ron be incredible. Ar- remember when Ron Artest tried to get a job at Circuit City? He filled out an application. <laughs> Best Buy, I believe. Was, yeah, it was one of those. And he was just like, yeah, I need another job. I just, like, I need... And the, the NBA and the Bulls were like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. That's yeah. a real story. Yeah. Uh, his agent told me the whole thing. <laughs> so. there's, there's some dark ones that we're going to avoid. Like, I, like for the Kermit Washington punch, I think, if that oh, happened yeah. in this day and age, would have... No, he was Lakers. No, no, I was saying, another Celtic story is dark. Dark. Oh, yeah, there, there are some dark ones. So we're going to avoid the dark ones. Uh, while we have Daryl here, any questions for Daryl before we go to the next segment? We have a live sitting GM right now. <laughs> for Anything now, you want for to now. Know? You may get me fired by the end. Is, uh, should I remain hopeful about Markel Fultz? <laughs> oh. yeah, so you, see, you're not a professional journalist. You can't answer <laughs> yeah. Talk about other players. I can't really. That's I can talk right. about retired players. That's right. Well, can we talk about you had... So you had this crazy comeback against the Clippers three years ago that was the height of pulling yes. a season out of your ass, basically. It was, it was basically, over. this year's 0 for 27 was a makeup for Corey Brewer. I was going to ask. Josh Smith and, and Terrence Jones hitting threes against the Clippers. It this was, was like, the Barzaro version of like that. It was like the karma <laughs> flipping. Noted, yeah, so you felt that. Noted three-point shooter Josh Smith. No, no, no. The three worst shooters in NBA history are Barkley, Brewer, and Josh Smith. And, uh, and we had two of them, and they hit two, three, you know, six threes, I think, in that comeback. So I went, well, they, they hit four, and then Terrence Jones hit one, and then we had another one. Yeah. I went to that game, and I've never experienced a crowd like that, where the Clipper fans, all their DNA came out, and they were just convinced they were going to lose. And they, I think they had like a three-point lead, and people were just in pure panic. I was, av- I was having dinner with Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald. We were watching the game... On the TV, we're like, this is a wrap. I take the subway to go home, and they, I, I was like, they lost? I think I sent you 74 text messages. Yeah, I come out and wait, wait, hold on, they lost? Josh Smith hit threes? What? <laughs> there's a few, there's a few th- key things to this. First, Blake did the 360 layup right before our comeback. I always remember that. Yeah. The other thing, no one remembers, it's very similar to your Red Sox, Mets, in 86. Mm. So we had to go back and win game seven. Right. Uh, nobody remembers. Everyone remembers Buckner, but not Clippers were kind of the Walking Dead, though. At that point, <laughs> at that point, yeah. so yeah. those were uh, those are some of the. Memories. It's a good sliding doors moment because, you know, I I think if that Clippers team gets past the Rockets that year, it was a pretty good team. Blake was playing the best basketball of his life, and then the Warriors were the next round, and the Warriors weren't quite the Warriors yet. They hadn't had the playoff reps. I don't know. I, that's that's definitely one of those. Yeah, I mean, then we had another sliding doors moment this year. Where if CP doesn't get hurt at the tail end of game five, you're up 3-2, you're feeling good. Our championship odds got over 50%, about a minute to go in game five, and then Chris went out and then never after. But, But if you even go back further, the inadvertent whistle, which led to you getting the possession again, and that was the one he got hurt on, that weird inadvertent whistle. Right. 
Yeah, there'll be a documentary about that game at some point. 30 for 30 or... Maybe 30 for 30. HBO, HBO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Can you make Shea feel better about the Spurs before we go? I just told him before. I mean, I'm here for the Spurs collapse. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 20 years. I mean, they have the best record since I've been in the league by far. So all we've been trying to do is copy the Spurs and now we're... She has vodka in that water. This is a miserable evening for me. (laughs) All right, we're going to bring on the next segment. Thank you to Jason, Chris, and Shay. Daryl, Stan. Let's take a break. Talk about betterment. How do you know you're saving and investing for the life you want? Finances, big and small, can be confusing. Understanding the market can be intimidating. Fortunately, betterment, the largest online financial advisor, is here to change that. Its mission is to help customers make the most of their money by taking complex investing strategies and using technology to make them more efficient. At Betterment, hidden costs are nowhere to be found no matter who you are or how much money you invest. You get everything for one low transparent management fee. And as a fiduciary, they make recommendations in clients' best interests. They're not incentivized to recommend certain funds and they don't have own investment products to sell better yet. Betterment offers personal advice and a suite of tools A suite of tools. Wow. Not just tools. It's a suite of tools to help you know whether you're on track to hit your investing goals or get the retirement you want. Sign up today. And as a BS podcast listener, you can get up to one year managed free. Remember, investing involves risk. For more information, visit betterment.com slash BS. That is betterment.com slash BS. Back to Cleopatra's Barge for the live show. All right, coming in, my buddy Joe House. We drove from LA to Vegas. Are you? Uh, yeah, he's got a reveal. Uh, he just, for the listeners, House is wearing a Vegas Golden Knight shirt with losers written under it. The crowd turned on House quickly. And then, uh, Esteemed gambler turned, I don't know, NBA Twitter celebrity, Haralabas Vulgaris. So we're going to talk about um, the NBA, all the changes that happened this decade, and whether basketball is better or worse or both for it. I'm going to start with you, Haralabob, at Haralabob on Twitter. You love the math generation. I love the what? You love the math generation for NBA. This was your dream, what's happened these last four years. I don't know. You've been touting it. You've been going at people on Twitter. What do you love about this? I mean, I don't know that I love it. I think I'm always, I always love something that's not there. So when there was no math, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for the math to take over. Once the nerds take over, it's going to be great. <laughs> and then the nerds took over and now it's brutal. <laughs> you love the three-point fouls. That's I love the three-point fouls. I love the, yeah, I love all that stuff. The shooting fouls that no, you know, you can basically just maul someone in the paint. I don't like that. But if you just yeah, you made a big point about that on Twitter. I actually agree with him. Low post defense has turned into these stiff, hard forearms in the back, yeah. and people getting clubbed. And then on the the James Harden touch foul, and it's like three free throws. I don't like that. Why is it James Harden? Because <laughs> you're sitting here. I mean, maybe I was thinking about you first. <laughs> it's James Harden. No one's in the post anyway. It doesn't matter. How <laughs> people guard in the post. I was gonna say it's James Harden because Lou Williams got traded from Houston or left Houston. Right? Oh, <laughs> he was yeah. the guy before. 
Um, how's your old school like I am? Yeah, so I love where we're at right now. I mean, this space and pace era harkens back to the games back in the, in the 80s when there was no defense whatsoever. We'd sit and watch some of those uh, Celtics and Hawks games where the scores were 141 to 120, whatever. That's my kind of game. I right. love that game. I love uh, the innovation in terms of unlocking the three-point. Now, I've, of course, there is going to be uh, uh, some backlash, and we need to figure out something to eliminate some of the um, what we've lost in terms of low post play. I don't know how we get that back, though. Well, first of all... Unless we made 10-foot shots worth three points. Um, well, we're <laughs> just going to unleash Dwight Howard this year. That's what's going to... Oh, and the Wiz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joe House, noted longtime Dwight Howard critic, is now all in on Dwight Howard and delighted I, that he's here. The Welcome Wagon, the Washington, D.C. Farty Pants fan club, number one founder right here, bro. Do, do your riff on how... He's never had a point guard as good as John Wall. That's that the riff. Today. He tried that with me. I had, no, I I had to listen to it, too. I asked I, both of them. I was just talking to Daryl about Dwight, and he's not convinced. But what do you think? you think Dwight can make it happen in Washington? And I'm I like, did. no. I asked him And both. then there was like four follow-ups. But what if he did this? He's going to get the lobs, and it's going to be good. I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. I thought he was kidding, and then he was like, Jameer Nelson, Patrick <laughs> Beverly. He started listing all the Dwight Howard. Busted ass Steve Nash. Like, did you drink Dwight Howard Kool-Aid? What's happening? <laughs> it's a desperate time in Washington. So, Daryl, let's say 2000 Shaq is in basketball right now. Is he demolishing everybody? Is it, what, what happens to him? I think he's crushing. That's, yeah. what, that's how I feel. I actually yeah, yeah. think he scores more and gets more rebounds. Well, he, I mean, he's the most unstoppable force any of us have seen in our lifetimes, right? I mean, Shaq was... I wasn't there for Wilt, it seems like. Okay, I wasn't there for Wilt either, but... It seems like the, the three most athletically unstoppable dudes were Shaq, no, Wilt, and LeBron. David Stern's joke, when I first got in the league, he'd tell the new owners, like, you're one player away, and they're like, we're one player away? Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically right. Yeah, I don't... So, so Wilt was 1959 to 74, and Shaq was... 94 through 2000. So this is like once every other generation will get a center like that. But when we do, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen be on great. the other end they'll because be they'll spread them out though, right? Like if Shaq's out there, what do you it'll, do? You're just trying to get him in p and It'll be a mobile five who can shoot, right? Yeah. There may be some facsimiles in the league I can't talk about, but yeah. So how do you stay... You, you had these advancements with how you were thinking about basketball there for a few years. And now everybody's kind of thinking generally the same way. So, like, what's, what's next? What's the next frontier? You signed Michael Carter-Williams. Yeah. You veered the What did Sam Absolutely. say in his letter? You got a zag when everyone's... That was thinking. certainly a zag. That's a frontier. <laughs> <laughs> rookie of the year. How come no one's complaining we just got the rookie of the year? Everyone's complaining about Golden State signing, but not... Who's the got, rookie of the year? We just got the recent rookie of the year. We just signed... It was like five years ago. <laughs> Uh, what do you think about what's the next thing that's coming for Albus? I think you'll see more of the isolation stuff. Oh, you think we're going to get more of that? Yeah, because there really wasn't that many teams that did isolation. They started it. Houston started it. And then... We happen to have the best at it, though. I, well, the thing oh. that they got was that it wasn't just isolation. You had to have the floor, the, floor, the floor spread. If the floor isn't spread, you can't ISO. I mean, that's what the Rockets, back in the day when they had Catino, Mobley, and and Steve Francis tried to do was ISO the entire time, but the floor was not spread, so it doesn't work. So it's not even so much that the ISO, it's just a one-on-one play. If you watch two NBA players trying to play one-on-one basketball, 
they score more often than not when they have the ball. It's very hard to defend. And so I think that'll happen more. The team teams will start trying to do the isolation a little bit more. My only fear with that is during a seven game series, when you get used to it game after game, it seems like it loses effectiveness. Do you worry about that? It was pretty effective. We're up three, two. And well, but the last two I'm saying, the last two I'm saying, it, it the last two games without Chris Paul. This is great. I love, <laughs> I love this. You're back in. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're asking me. What are you asking me? I'm asking you, do, as the series goes along, does the other team start to, do you lose that advantage because the other team just gets used to I what mean, you're doing? I it, mean, it, it, our series ended up being just mono mono isolation. So I think some people found that aesthetically unpleasing, but it was the best way for each team to guard the other, and it ended in lots of isolation play. I mean, I think it's actually easier to, to reproduce isolation ball in the playoffs than it is to try and produce like motion or specific stuff because you can't really do anything about it. We're going to do double teams. So now they pass it to an open three point shooter or it's just a matter of now do you have, you have good isolation players. It doesn't really break down that much. I don't think it's going to, you, you're going to need to have all your players to be fairly skilled. Like, so the main thing I think it takes away is uh, the one dimensional, like Reggie Evans types, the guys who could do the guys one, the thing, one thing extremely yeah. well, but then is a disaster in a bunch of areas. Those are, those guys are tough. So, the one specialty guys. Yeah, the, the specialty shooters, the specialty rebounders, the specialty, any specialty guy I think is going to get phased out. House, what yeah. do you think the next great advancement is? Uh, Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard. Uh, I was just telling him he's your best basketball, you know, former friend guest. Former, former player? Uh, that was good in college. Deadly hey. in the PNR. Uh, I think the next advancement is going to be studying the mental framework of these guys. And I know that's already started, but I, I really think that seems to be a recurring theme over and over again. Good luck it's, with that. <laughs> well, but I think there's going to be better ways to figure out the immaturity of players versus like who's ready to come in and be an adult. And I think like you look at last year. Uh, where Fultz came in and was clearly just like a kid. You know, he, he was like, he went to Philly and was talking about how excited he was that they had Chick-fil-A. And you, you just look at these little moments like that and you're like, wow, you might not be ready Chick-fil-A to... Chick-fil-A is awesome. I, well, it is great. <laughs> I, I listened. I, sorry, House. I didn't mean to mean Chick-fil-A. But then you look at somebody like Donovan Mitchell who comes in the league and he's like a 30-year-old. And he was at the finals walking around. It's just this polished dude. His dad was a was a baseball player. He's been in locker rooms his whole life and just seemed more prepared. And I wonder, we see this over and over again. I wonder if there's going to be ways to innovate with that. How do you figure out who can come into the environment and succeed? But isn't that, that's like an organizational, um, you know, success trait, right? This is like the franchises that have figured out how to accommodate players of a variety of dispositions are the ones that are most likely to succeed. The guys that can nurture. I'll never forget what Michael Jordan did to Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown was dead within the first two weeks of having arrived in Washington because he was an 18-year-old kid whose entire life experience had been this small town in Virginia, and the franchise wasn't prepared to nurture him, to, to let him grow at all. He, the kid uh, didn't know how to do laundry, so he threw all his clothes, he wore them once, and threw them at the end of his bed, and somebody came into his apartment and saw a four-foot pile of clothes, and was like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know how to do laundry. 
Not great. That didn't come up in the scouting report. They didn't realize. <laughs> this the is why that coaches like Coach D'Antoni and other guys like that are really taking over the league, and why the defensive coaches aren't. Like you, you do need to have this environment that uh, you know makes the superstars feel like superstars, uh, brings along the young players, and sort of the hard ass uh, type coaches. I think are really being phased out because of that. Do you believe in chemistry, Horalibus? Yeah, of course. Okay. You can definitely see it for sure. You know who once like, didn't believe in chemistry? This is wrong. No, nah, this I, is true. This is true. This, this one is time, true. this is like, like eight years ago, Bill's like, you have too many good players, Daryl. You need to get rid of some good players. I was right. <laughs> you ended up with an unhappy team because everyone wanted to play. And I was like, did you figure you out move, the calibration? You, the, you have too many guys who think they should be in the court. No, you're like, you move it's the good fine. players on. You'd rather have the good players. You'd... So you're saying I was wrong? Yeah, absolutely. And then when you're wrong, you just go to your next column. No. Like, like, no. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I'm wrong, we have to live with paying him $40 million for the next five years. So, <laughs> that is true. So That is true. You just get to go in a column six months. Ah, I was wrong about that. I, I just can't remember any wrong columns I've read. I did. Someone get on the internet, Google his column. I did. I won't name the player, but I did try to warn you about one person that you might have You've given me great, brought in, in, great uh, intel over the years. Great brought intel. in and be like, you know, that guy, uh, people don't like playing with him. He might have been a guy Joe House might have discussed. What, did we get to the Western Conference You finals? did. You came very close. Player? You got a great thing. But you believe in chemistry now that you've been... Around I think a team when you have or. an extremely good team, you want to really focus on that. When you're in the sort of rebuild phase, then I think you need to worry about that less. House is a, a lifelong Bullets Wizards fan. He's seen some phenomenal chemistry situations over the years. <laughs> what was the worst one? The probably the guns in the locker room. Probably, right? yeah, probably, yeah, probably, yeah. probably, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Well, we missed that in the Twitter era. Oh, that that would have been awesome. another one. That would have been amazing yeah. in Twitter. But you've had some other great ones, like Seaweb was openly miserable there. Yeah, and also openly 90s. smoking pot, you know, before games. <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, was... we, we don't have any. Okay, I know, that's a legend. That's very alleged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, But he did seem very, very miserable. Well, I mean, we're, we're in it right now. There is an alpha dog battle going on between Bradley Beal and John Wall, it seems. Yes. And, uh, you know, this idea of bringing Dwight Howard into that mix, it's a c- curious. Not sure. I... My attitude on it was when your chemistry is already awful, why not just bring in Dwight Howard? Like, it's not like it's going to get worse. What are they going to go oh, down lower? They I think it could get worse. It could get worse. They almost had a fist fight in the locker room last year. What's worse it, than that other than guns? There may be another one. There may be another one coming. Horalbus, you buy an NBA team. Okay. What are the first He's three things to. you do? I know. We're the first millionaire, billionaire. So. Yeah, you cash in your Bitcoin. Sure. First of all, what team do you target? Do you go small market? Like just, just the, the I mean, of course, uh, the fans are tortured. You come in as like the savior, the Bitcoin savior. Sure. I don't know. I, w- I would think it depends. I mean, obviously if I could have any team, I'd want a team. I'd like the Clippers would be great just because they've just, I mean, they've just had such a horrible run in terms of owners. And I mean, Balmer's great now, but they haven't necessarily 
had much success recently. I don't think Bomber ever sells the Clippers. No, of course not. I think he loves. I don't it. think I'll ever have enough money to buy the Clippers. So if <laughs> we're gonna play Fantasyland, I might as well. I might as well be able to pick. I would the team say I like a, the Memphis kind of Charlotte type of teams. Probably no, a I more couldn't find myself. You couldn't do that? No, I wouldn't want to. So you need to be in a big city. I think it'd be more fun to be in a big city, yeah. What would you do? How would you revolutionize the game as a basketball owner? Hire Daryl as my GM. Go from there. Hey, now. <laughs> hey, now. Have you have you ever been courted and not told me? By Bob? No. <laughs> <laughs> By a big market franchise? Has there ever been approaches? These are hard questions. What's? It's a yes or no question. <laughs> Um, you must have been courted a couple times. I'm happy where I am. Houston's awesome. The funniest thing is, I've known Daryl since like 2004, and he was never this good at evading questions <laughs> until the last couple of years. Um, but you, so you would go overpay for yeah, of one of the quality G. You just have such an easier time attracting talent if you're in those markets. I mean, look what's happening now in terms of where players are going. They're either grouping with other stars. I don't know a lot of players that are looking to sign with Memphis, even when Memphis had a great team and was, you know, competing every year. So it's just very tough to attract players. I mean, the Knicks would be perfect because they've had just a horrible run in terms of not having been the playoffs in a long time. Yeah, the Knicks is like following the worst boyfriend of all time. Yeah, and you just yeah, like, you just come in there and they love you. To dinner <laughs> once, You're like, oh, this is great. You're yeah. so nice. See, Bob's right. This is why you can't have a better franchise than. Houston, Miami, LA. Like, if you can't recruit the top players, I think it's really tough. Like, you, you have to go through those like really. You gotta do it. Deep depths of yeah, blow it up. Well, this goes back to the original question about how basketball has changed this decade. You know, the player empowerment thing, which started with the decision, I think, has been the number one thing. That's where just players now have shifted the power dynamic. Um, As they should, by the way. As they should. But the other thing, the the big market thing, just doesn't matter anymore. And what do you mean? Well, I, in the old days, it was like, you got to get to LA or New York. And, and now it's like with league pass and, you know, Westbrook is as popular as anybody right now. That's an unusual situation. It has, it has to be a city they want to live in though. Like, you know, but I'm just saying like, you can be a big star. I think in any city, LeBron's the biggest star we've had in the last 20 years. He played in Cleveland for 11 of the 15 years. It didn't matter. But Oklahoma City also went to the finals, and those players are very young. You have to succeed. Yeah, if that didn't happen, you wouldn't really necessarily have them being that popular. I mean, they had Durant, Harden, and Westbrook, and made it to the finals back in whatever it was, 2013. I think what's changed the most for me has been, instead of the city being the big carrot or the franchise or the history, it's been more like what front offices are good What's the front office owner situation? Like the Celtics didn't get a free agent forever. And, Who did they get? Al Horford and Gordon Hayward back to back years. Those Al weren't exactly. Those wasn't exactly. Stop it. Get don't, LeBron don't, James. No, I hate when you're Celtics troll. <laughs> no, but I'm, Horford I, was the second best free agent in '16. I get that, but it wasn't. Was like it wasn't. Third. It's not. The, I still think that it's difficult for the Celtics to attract free agents. I mean, they've they've done it by trades. They've done it by drafts. By maneuvering. But I don't think they've necessarily. I mean, the Celtics have a great tradition, so it's it's not like you're comparing the Celtics to the Charlotte, you know, the, the Charlotte franchise. But I think it's it's the front office slash coach slash owner thing has attracted. I think now for sure. Yeah. I would say owner because the owner hires all those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, isn't it also the players looking at who they want to play with? I mean, that's really kind of where we are right now. I, I'm wondering. That's the short, medium term, but long term, it's the owner and the environment and the city. Sure, like the Clippers, the Clippers had Blake, and then all of a sudden, then they were able to get CP3, and then they were able to attract some more talent, and then it kind of went away. 
Do you feel like the state income tax is one of your biggest advantages right now? That in Galveston, you know, the, the, the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. beach. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Cause like I, like in California, it's a 13% income tax. In Texas, it's zero. zero. And it's what is zero it? in a bunch of Memphis, zero, all the Orlando, Miami, zero. So This could be the case for Vegas having a basketball team at some point. Would you guys want a basketball? Is anyone from Vegas here? Because the hockey team was a huge success, even though they uh, <laughs> lost in the cup finals. But, um, but yeah, like you look at Chris Paul probably saved, what, 22 million bucks by signing that deal in Texas? It's a lot. And then add in cost of living, add in... Add in China, the fact that you get like huge endorsements being in Houston. So we got a good edge. Would you add, would you add two more teams or do we have the right number or do we have too many? Um, I think you have too many, to be honest. I don't, I, I, I don't think that there's enough talent to support two more teams. I mean, there is, but I, I feel like it's better the way it is now where you don't have like a dilution of talent where you're not like digging extra deep. It might be more exciting though because I think it'd be more advantageous for the smarter teams the more, the more teams are out there. I think we could do two more. I just, I think Seattle will be one out of maybe Vegas. Actually, out with the way the hockey team succeeded here, I think the basketball would be great, but Seattle and Vegas. You another Canadian team if they're going to have another team. I just think we're going to end up with the same four teams fighting for the title uh, every, every year. So whether we have 30 or 32, it's still going to be the four that rise to the top. I just want Seattle to have a team. Okay? <laughs> It'd be great if they That's did. Fair. They expanded two teams, and then you could only protect like three players on your team. That would be that would be a good way of breaking up the Warriors. If that was well, your so goal. that so if you look at how that Vegas uh, <laughs> the hockey expansion team, <laughs> they like that one. <laughs> well, the best idea that, we've had. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at how they I think did like that, protect one, and then like you get two, yeah, two more to maybe, protect, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you get. You should be able to protect two players, I think, but you can't have more than two players picked from the same expansion team. That would be cool. I would say probably five. Was protect realistic. five? Yeah. No, that's no, 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 no. You have to have starter level talent for sure. Yeah, but you take it like a, some of the deeper teams, they would lose somebody good. Plus, you don't want the team to be good right away. I don't think the why do you, other why why do you that not a great want the story? Why do you not want the team to be good right away? Yeah. Because What's if the I'm another, like if I was another NHL owner, I would have been furious about. Do so you charge them like a? They paid six hundred million dollars. I was like, you guys are also going to suck for five years. No, well, you and charge them like two or three billion dollars. That's I'm sure the owners. Yeah, it worked not. out fine in hockey. Split that up thirty ways. So you would be okay if you could only protect three guys. Uh, I would, yeah, I would no, imagine I'd, that'd be a nightmare. I mean, I'm thinking about his angle. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not just thinking about Houston. I'm thinking about other teams. Mm, yeah. I see what you mean. There'll be yeah. a lot of wheeling and dealing. Um, so, House, yes. the best era for basketball was? Well, you know how I'm, I'm old. So, 85 to 95. I Come love that on. era. I love that era. So brutal. <laughs> love that era. <laughs> it's like the, I love that. If you went back and watched 85 to 95 basketball now on a daily basis, you'd be like, what am I doing with my time? I could <laughs> oh, be on the internet. I could be on Twitter. I could be watching Netflix. Like, you're not going to be watching 85 Especially to 95 Especially 91 basketball. to like 95. Was no way. Brutal. So brutal. I like, see, I think 92, 93 was underrated. Because there really? was just a lot of good players. You go back and there's just I like love that Bulls Suns finals. Yeah. I love that Bulls. Good center matchups. Yeah. That was 96, Oh, Suns. I think said yeah. Sonics. No, no. They had some bad Bulls luck Suns. down there, too. Like that, Those Cavs teams were really good, and they couldn't stay healthy. Not those are the 80s ones. Then by 93, so, it was 90, Darnell Valentine. It wasn't good. No, but the 92 team was good, the team that beat the Celtics. 
And that was just a good team. Before, yeah, yeah. before we had the end. I thought the league yeah. was relatively deep, but we also had less teams back then. Uh, all right, we're we moving lost on. lost most of the audience who hasn't watched basketball in 1992. Who remembers <laughs> Connecticut? Yeah, I guess, yeah, we might be in trouble at this topic. <laughs> Daryl Morey, thank you so much. Thanks, appreciate it. Albus, thank, thank you. Joas, you're staying. I'm staying. All right, we're taking a break to talk about Mint Mobile. The big and big wireless stands for a lot of things. Big contracts, big bills, big secrets. What the big wireless companies don't want you to know is that there's a way to cut your bill down at just 15 bucks a month. Introducing Mint Mobile, the game-changing company that's taken everything wrong with big wireless and made it right. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. You can keep your old number along with all your existing contacts. Choose between two, five, or 10 GB, 4G LTE plans. No more paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. Every plan comes with unlimited talk and text. So you can safely annoy your friends and loved ones. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Guess what? Good thing to do for your kids. Because you know what? Your kids shouldn't be spending 15 bucks a month or more for their phone. We may or may not have done this with our kids. Oh, yeah. Why would I want to spend more than $15 a month for my 10-year-old son's phone? Say goodbye to big wireless and unlock your wireless new wireless plan starting at just 15 bucks. Go to mintmobile.com slash BS. Mintmobile.com slash BS. Back to the live show. Cousin Sal, come on out. Cousin Sal. Wait. All right, first, first topic for this group. Sports gambling is going to become legal. What? Yeah, <laughs> it's going to happen. We have it here. Sal and I cashed in a Mets Red Sox parlay today, actually. By the way, this is great. not what I expected my intervention to look like, but I, I can get used to it. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, how do you well, see this going, Sal? This Legal podcast? sports gaming. C plus. Legal sports gambling. How do you yeah. see it going? It's great. I think there's room for everybody. I don't think Vegas is going to shut down because your local 7-Eleven has parlay cards. This is still going to be a... Uh, bachelor party destination, you know, unless 7-Eleven had strip clubs in the back. That's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, look, some of them probably do. Yeah, they might, actually. But no, there's there's enough room for everyone. They're, the bookies are going to stay alive because people like to stay anonymous and they like to play on credit. Obviously, Vegas isn't going anywhere. And even like the, the offshore books, I think, will still offer parlays and props that the mainstream, you know, you won't get in Delaware at the, you know, at the grocery store. But you don't think we'll have the live betting right away? I don't. I would love it, but I think, don't you think that's like six or seven years away? My, my issue with the live betting is the people setting the lines, you have to be pretty competent. To what, what, do you, what do you mean, the betting while the game is being played? That, that, yeah. You can do that right now, anywhere, really. I mean, but the you, European sports books, you can bet on the NBA playoffs in-game all the in time. In the moment? Yeah, of course. I, I would imagine. Every stoppage, and every, so the limits are very low while yeah, the game is being played, but then when it's actually a stoppage, like there's a commercial break or a timeout, the limits get up a little, get higher. It would seem like that would be a great way to bribe somebody. How so? The person just setting the random live lines. Like, how, oh, yeah. how do we trust that person? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, but the most places copy uh, a specific service that provides the lines for everyone. Which you know, they'll they'll be like a, in golf. They'll have live lines. They'll be Phil Mickelson have a chip shot in the air, and the and the line will change. It's well, this hard. is the golf is really the place that I'm most interested in seeing the opportunities arise because 
we d- during the U.S. Open, you could bet matchups uh, as the guys played holes on the twelfth hole. You could bet a matchup of of guys still out there on the fourteenth hole. Will this? Will Dustin Johnson? You act like we haven't been doing this <laughs> <laughs> and just, somehow losing every time. Just saying, it's very exciting. I'm very uh, looking forward to but the right, so- soccer is the best live betting game because not much happens. And right. You can keep betting the entire time. Well, nothing happens. Nothing what do you right. bet on in soccer for live betting? You bet on who wins. Basically, oh, so bet, like you bet the first oh. ten minutes will there be a goal? The next you can bet corner, you can bet anything. Corn, who will get the next corner kick? Who will you know, get the shot on goal? Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, like you have the like when Brazil scored today, made it two one. Oh yeah, and there's like twenty minutes left or whatever. And yeah, or even like when the score is two zero, the line could have been the team could have been favored by like one and a half goals right. or whatever like that. Do you feel like gambling going mainstream? What it what would be your biggest concern with that? Um, my biggest concern actually would be like if the NBA was adamant about uh, not so much the integrity fee, but like collecting a percentage of, of the handle or like being partners with someone oh, like of, a VIG. Yeah. I think that just, that's just a bad, that's a bad look. That was one of the things they initially talked about doing was, Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to have a piece of it. Now that you know, the teams are going to be worth so much money because of it, but you can't have a league be incentivized on profits from gambling because now they're incentivized to randomize the games and, you know, it's just not good. It's not good. It's it's a bad thing. Do, do tell. Randomize the games. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, you could just uh, give out a bunch of league directives in terms of like what types of you know, changes, like what they call the point of emphasis. Of oh, the for officials the, like, are game call three it. of a playoff series, something like that. Yeah. yeah. What? What? But the, the integrity fee in the NBA is is so funny. It really is. You got teams tanking eight games into the season, and they're like, you know what? We're going to charge you for gambling. because No, it's a joke. I mean, yeah. doesn't, the worst part of ever bringing up the integrity fee is you're implying that there was no integrity in the league prior to them being able to charge a fee. Right. So it's like, oh, uh, we need this fee because our games aren't on the up and up, but now we're going to... Like, gambling's been going on I mean, this town, all over the world. I mean, the U.S. is really one of the only countries where it's not legal or it wasn't legal. I think it comes from the 40s, 50s, 60s. There were all these point-shaving scandals... And it really put a stink on sports gambling that kind of carried over. But now it's like nobody it, the, even remembers. The problem now is on professional sports is the players are just making way too much yeah. money for it to ever be there ever to be a point scandal or a point shift. But there's scandal. some people who, yeah, the I, long snapper. Well, <laughs> well, there was a referee who bet admitted to betting on games. The funny thing that's, about the referee, but thing, only for a year. No, the funny true. thing about the referee thing is you guys talked about the malice at the palace and then the Phoenix Suns thing. Oh, yeah. And guess who's the referee for both games? Tim Donnelly. He was an official for both of those games. Yeah. Just kind of crazy. You, uh, and he was, he was mostly overs, right? No, he didn't, he didn't bet totals at all. He just bet who would win the game. He didn't have smart, any. Smart, smart. The, 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 <laughs> yeah. the, reason, the reason why people think he bet totals is because he had his little fingers on every play to try and manipulate the outcome of the game that he had to call a lot of fouls, which resulted in a higher scoring game. But he wasn't smart enough to think, oh, wow, I could just bet on the over and no one would ever have suspect anything. I'm going to actually try to fix the, the outcome. You, the ref could rig the over. He calls a lot of fouls early in the quarter. Just any time. And every, both teams fouls. are in the free throw limit with seven yeah. minutes left. Can in I the, just ask order. something for a second? Yeah. While you're working the crowd here, I saw how you're doing that. You saw my hand? I'm going to put, I'm going to put the over under at three and a half. Yeah. And the prop is how many wives slash girlfriends were dragged here against their will. I'm going over. Wow. Look at that. How many? Am I seeing four? Yeah. See, oh, somebody's standing. Wow, there's someone. She was to get like out. standing proudly. I Great saw line, by the three. When he'll, you, he'll make it up to you later. When you guys were discussing if Reggie Evans is a one-dimensional player, this lady right here reached into a purse and grabbed the noose, and the <laughs> girl next to her <laughs> had to stop her. I'm sorry, it's it's almost over. All right. Well, let, let's do. Uh, 
Let's do our best and worst gambling stories of all time. Yeah. This is something for everybody can enjoy. Yes, definitely. Um, House, you start because well, this was something Sal and I were intimately involved with. Your worst gambling <laughs> loss of all time, and as the crowd is going to find out, they were also intimately involved with it. Yeah, we, it happened. It all started right next door at Nobu in August of 2016. You, me, the Cuz, Jeff Chow, president of the Ringer, sitting together looking at the football season and looking for some creative way to enjoy the NFL season with a certain uh, uh, political event that was upcoming, Mm. the presidential election in 2016, we were able to come up with a parlay of the New England Patriots winning the AFC East along with Hillary Clinton winning the presidency. Oh, my goodness. And for a lot of money. It wasn't like a light bet. Well, and we, we, we got two to one odds on it. And the, the, the Pats clinched the AFC is done like September 15th. Yeah. The element of it that, that particularly stung was I, I was in the company of my partner in this uh, wager, Jeff Chow, a week before the election. And he sat across the table from me and he said, House, we could probably get Trump right now. We could hedge this a four to one, five to one. I said, no effing way. <laughs> Only losers hedge. That's right. <laughs> He's not going to win. Don't worry about it. He doesn't have a chance. I still believe it. Yeah, somehow, we, we were trying to remember some of our worst gambling losses, and, you know, they kind of blend together. Oh, that was bad. We're, we get to just continually relive this gambling loss every day. With That's the, the worst part of it, is you yeah. wake up every it's day. Every day, it's like, oh, yeah, remember that bet we lost with the Pats? Oh. What was your worst loss ever, Herabas? Um Probably the uh, Clippers-Houston Rocket series, I would say. Oh, the game six or the whole just series? the whole series. I had the the, the Clippers to win oh, that man. series. That was pretty torturous. Oh, so you're up eighteen with like a quarter left. Yeah, that was that was probably like the worst like one where I was just kind of like, what just happened? Were you at the game? Um, I was at I was at all of the games in L.A. Yeah, the worst thing though, I will say this is a little bit different. Probably some of my other worst losses where I'm like one of the only people at the visiting arena. Cheer, or the cheering for the visiting team, and and so like that. I remember being at I can't remember which game it was specifically, but it was it was in Phoenix. I can't remember which team they were playing, and I had the I had the away team like for a big bet. Oh, it was the Clippers again. It was the the Daniel Ewing moment when oh against the the Suns. Yeah, Roger I was Bell. at that game on the floor, and you feel like the tiniest, littlest person in the world. Every time something bad happens to you personally, the entire crowd cheers. Oh, it's yeah. like the worst experience ever. <laughs> I would not recommend it. That was probably the. <laughs> Those are it is the worst experience ever. I, I I I I really do not like going to games and and having bets on the away team. It's just not fun. Sal, asking um, asking you to pick your worst yeah. gambling loss. It's like asking me to pick my most hated child. They're just all so bad. <laughs> They're so terrible, all of them. How do I how do I pick one? Uh, all right, you know what? I'm going to take you back to July fourth, two thousand eighteen. Oh. Yeah, try, try to think, you know, all the way time back. ago. <laughs> all the way back. <laughs> the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. <laughs> and on my Against All Odds podcast, I gave out that the winner, who was probably going to be Joey Chestnut, would consume under 70 and a half hot dogs. I said under. And I did some research. I said Chestnut was showing off the last two years. He was looking to break records. It's going to be hot as balls out there. And it was 110. He doesn't need to eat 70 and a half. That's going under. So so we watch and ESPN shows it. And it's 10 minutes. And by the way, if anyone who says like 
horse racing is the greatest tune ever. Like the hot dog eating contest is so much, <laughs> so much. It's it's disgusting, but so much more exciting. And he's at a slow pace, and ESPN has a tracker, and he has his own camera, so you have to figure the numbers are accurate. And he's ends up with what did he end up sixty four. On the screen, it says 64. And I screenshot it, and I'm bragging. I'm like, oh, lock You were pretty adamant this was the oh, under. I yeah. loved it. It was under 64 by a ton, you know? He didn't have it. And then something happens. I'm like, I'm, I'm Instagramming my screenshot and everything. And they do the interview, the post-eating interview. And Joey Chestnut says, yeah, they said 64, but I actually ate 74. They missed a plate. And the carnival barker interviewing him is like, 74, a new world's record. Congrats. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Who's, no one's looking into this? This is it. This is just, this is screwing me over. And the reason this is a bad bet, along with La La Land, I had to beat uh, Moonlight, which also lost in the same uh, disgusting fashion. You could have hedged Donald Trump. You could have hedged Houston even at halftime, Houston uh, sure. Clippers. I, there was no live line after ESPN reported <laughs> Chestnut at 64 hot dogs. I couldn't bet against that. Well, the, the other crazy thing is he had his own camera on him. Yes, yeah. And they had a year to figure out how to count how many hot dogs he was a eating. Year, this is the only doing... thing that mattered. Yeah. I, it would be like if they had the NBA Finals and the Lakers scored 10 more points than they thought yeah. they did. And it was like, oh, they actually won. Well, I'm done with the smaller events. I'm now just... Can we go back to how you... Just wa- chicken wing eating and, you know, guacamole and chips. Can we go back to how you also lost on La La Land? I mean, it was... You had like a five-movie parlay, right? Yeah, right. And it, was it was like worse. actors, like the, there was a key grip yeah. that you had. You just were all There's always out. a key grip. And the, <laughs> Lighting, and, everything. And Moonlight was the last one. I just and needed La La Land. Nailed they you. announced and it was extra... And, extra hard punch to the gut because I was working the event. My cousin Jimmy was hosting. So I'm backstage and I just see it, it, it's bedlam. Like producers are running on stage and stopping people from speaking. And they're like, oh boy, I, they, they're just doing this to take my bed away. I, I'm almost positive now. That's why. Yeah. And- I had uh, my worst bet is actually a three-part bet. And, the, and it led to us breaking up with house as for gambling. So we start out with 2000, 2016 Warriors. Mm-hmm. We have them to win the title. We go all in on that. They go up three to one. We watch that game in Jimmy's office. Yeah. And, uh, and we're saying, like, if, if they can win this game in Cleveland, this is over. It's a wrap. It's done in five. Draymond punches LeBron in the balls. It sounds like he's not going to get suspended for that, right? No, no, he's fine. He should have got his own trophy for that. It goes into game five. Draymond gets suspended. Mm. He didn't get suspended for punching him in the ball specifically. It was for the, for the flagrant. Yeah, it was for yeah. the flay was like his yeah, yeah. 16th technical foul or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, seventh. So you and I have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's just get out. We'll just, what's the Cavs are like, what, eight to one to come back and win the series, some number. Let's just get out. We'll just hedge it. Nah, hedging's for wusses. Mm-hmm. And we ride it out to just a disaster. Thank so you. that happens. Thank you. Hedging so, is for wusses. I'm hedges is for yeah, us. Yeah. So the next year, <laughs> so Durant signs with the Warriors, and at some point I talked myself out of them being a guarantee to win the title. And what was the field? Minus, plus 120. Yeah, I'm like, we get the other 29 teams. This will be great. We get 29 teams, one injury, maybe Durant, maybe a little ego stuff. This will, we got to do this. So we go all in on the field. And the Warriors just kill everyone all year. Yeah. And, we, and it's like, 
being run over by a train that's like five miles away that has a bullseye on you mm-hmm. coming at you. And then the third one was this year. We had the we had the Warriors in five. We had a chance to hedge. Yeah. We didn't. And all of this led to us excising Joe House from our LeBron will go to the Lakers bet. Sorry, Joe. And we shed our karma. <laughs> but I wasn't on any of those other bets. You were on the, that you was were on you the third two. one. You were on the third one. Yeah, but you were on the text chain. That was good enough. We had to get <laughs> yeah, it was your fault. So we cut you out of it. What was your greatest gambling win? Oh wow. Oh, I'm I'm sorry for Cuz. Yeah. But it was the Patriots comeback against Atlanta. I had a parlay of both the points and the over. I mean, the three and a half and the over. And that that game at halftime, the exchanges of people that were, you know. Uh, participated in this bet with me we're like uh well we're gonna lose that's fine let's move on um that was an all-timer it's it's the greatest football comeback of all time so naturally cousin sal was on the other end of it well not only was i on the other end of it i had the (laughs) i'm sick even talking about (laughs) the falcons plus three and a half so all right all the nonsense that has to happen for it to go to overtime and it does and they win by six yeah you think like you're at least getting the field goal that's it yeah uh, your greatest win. You had a couple of them back in the day. But my I, my best win was the We Believe Warriors versus the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, at eleven point one to one average price for a huge Wait, amount. The what? I got eleven to one on them beating the Mavericks. That eleven series. to one. Yeah, that and was, they won in six. Yeah, that was my best one. The funny thing about that is there was a guy who owed me like $2 million and I remember pulling him aside and I was like, he was the biggest degenerate ever. And I was like, you know, you should, you know, buddy, you should put a little money on. I really like, gold. I was telling everyone after I'd already bet, you should, Golden State, you should really do it. He's like, no, no, I'm betting the Mavericks. I'm going to go with the Mavericks. I'll, I'll get you some money back once, once the series is over and I bet the Mavericks. So that was probably my, my best one for sure. <laughs> it's an auction all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Oh, you, that was back in the, the day when sandwich. people had money. There was a lot of people in poker who had money back then. <laughs> money was flying around. So, what was your greatest win? I never win. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? There have been a few, but I, I just thought of the one. What did we bet? Like the who did we bet on the NBA draft? Didn't we win like nine to one odds on <laughs> a team to get the first pick? You oh, we bet on the lottery. We bet yeah, on the Cavaliers. We the lottery. Lottery. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we you, know, you look won. at the lottery. You're like, how do you bet on the lottery? It's just ping pong balls. Yeah. And I, I texted you. I was like, the Cavaliers are winning the lottery. I think it was because LeBron had left. It's Cavs via Nets or something crazy. Like we had a. It was a weird. Comp- I think it was the, maybe the Clippers one. That what it yeah, was? that's what Cavs it was. It was the yeah the Clippers trade. pick. Right. Yeah, yeah. And okay, we I'll take that one. That's the only one I remember. That's your greatest gambling win. No, they're not that. You big. can't remember any gambling wins. No. I have. The Pats over the Falcons, you know, I, obviously it was my team was great, but I remember, you always remember your first great one. And right when I got into gambling, I'm going to say like 1990, I got into gambling because I was a Patriots fan and they were horrendous. They were terrible every year. And in 1989, they went one in 15 and I just didn't have a football team. Fantasy hadn't really taken off at that point. And just every Sunday I had no stakes. And somebody in college was like, you know, you can bet on one of the two teams. I'm like, what? So started doing it. And it was either the 90 or the 91 playoffs. It was a Chiefs-Miami playoff game. I don't even remember who won, but we had the team that lost plus two. <laughs> and, they, and they lost by one. So they covered. And they're dejected. I'm like, this is the great, and that was it. And I was hooked from that point on, and it was wonderful. But I think my favorite one I ever had was the oh, the Ravens Giants Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I was in that with you. I had no, I didn't know you then. Oh, 
See, I never win. <laughs> I didn't. The Ravens were underdogs. Won that. Won the money line bet. We had we had all the will the defense score a TD. We had that. It was the field to score the first touchdown before they realized how that the field odds were too good. So we took the field at like twenty to one. Brandon Stokely, oh. he scored. It was like all these things. I remember it like it was one of my kids. I, I have another. Great. I have. An, it wasn't one specific event, but it was the year Cleveland had Ricky Davis. So the year before LeBron, and they were just tanking, and Ricky Davis was like a free agent the next year. And so I was just betting the over in every Cleveland game for like a nine or ten game. This is this is the same year that Ricky Davis wanted to get a triple double by taking a shot at his own basket and getting the rebound <laughs> and got to a fight with Jerry Sloan. That was the greatest run. I think that year and then and then the year that Gilbert Arenas uh, start started starting for the Golden State Warriors like halfway through the year, three quarters with left. Oh yeah, and he just was so fast. I remember betting the first half over in every Golden State game during that time, and then the over in the the Ricky Davis Cleveland games. Those were those are my best. I remember those runs. Did you feel like there was an inefficiency time for basketball gambling back then? Was really inefficient for sure. Like the you could two thousand to two thousand six range. For sure, yeah. Um, even up to as late as like 2011, 2012, 2013, for the totals especially. Like and you, were the, you were one of the first ones to study the official trends, right? The ref stuff is kind of overrated, but I did study it. I think that, um, I mean, my worst bets were going to be talking about just trying to fade Tim Donaghy every game. I had no idea they were fixing the games. The line was moving so much, I was betting opposite, but I didn't want to go down there, although I guess I just did. Do you have, um, do you have any advice for people who do parlays or teasers? Don't. <laughs> yeah. So anyone who knows anything about gambling laughs at us yeah. when they when we do parlays and teasers. Like literally laughs at us like we're amateurs. If you do, and if we you do have it all a, the time. What do you mean you like a, you're amateurs? If you have um, a theoretical win percentage of over fifty seven percent, which would basically make you like Warren Buffett. Yeah. Um, then betting three team parlays is a good bet. Because the math works in your favor for a three team parlay when you are at that win percentage. But other than that, you're just setting money on well, fire. Let me literally. ask you this, and we do teasers, and I know if you're into nothing... You can just stop right there. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. Every Monday we go over the lines, and we say Patriots are favored over the, the yeah. Dolphins in We lost Miami all of these last year. By six. Well, hold on, though. But th- that sounds good, though, right? Yeah. If they're favored by six, we don't even look to lay the six because teams don't look to cover the spread. They want to win by one. They don't care. If they're, so, up, if they're up 10... You could give away the garbage touchdown in the end and win by three and not have to worry about that and just tie it with another team. So the other, um, so for the NFL, I'm not really a big NFL better, but back when I was more in, like looking at different things in early 2000s, there was a, a big edge on seven point teasers when you cross the key number. So when you cross like seven or three, if you could have a teaser, but they've changed, they've since changed the odds on the two team teasers where it's still, yeah. where it's no longer. Plus EV to Minus do that. They've, they've yeah, wised exactly. up to just about everything that. Yeah, the internet just fucked had. everything. Yeah, like, really. really. Like the, the internet and the person who figures something out and wants to tell the world that he figured it out basically fucked gambling for everybody. <laughs> hey, tell this. Tell our story from the Jimmy Kimmel Live offense with the uh, online betting site. I don't even remember what. What was it? Was it just the um, we bet field or something? It was a team no, to win the. It was a basketball game. Yeah. And they put the wrong line. Oh, right, right, right. In the website. Yeah. So oh, the, see, but the, the team that was minus ten yeah. was listed as plus ten, right? So they Sal just and I had this was the early days of uh, the online accounts. Yeah, Sal and I basically take our entire balance <laughs> and bet it on the plus ten. Mm-hmm. So then they switch it. 
they realize the mistake, they switch it to the minus 10. We take whatever's left on the balance. We, so now we have both sides with a 20-point swing. We get this email right before the game that they avoided the bet, the, the original bet. bet. Yeah, of course. Now we're stuck with the other bet of the t- of the one we didn't want, and we get killed. <laughs> yeah, and we lose that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen with... you that angry. Yeah, you were, we're like, you're like, I'm going to fly out to Antigua. <laughs> I'm going to chase down this dummy company, and that's going to be it. Calm down. <laughs> That's what it was like. It was the original plot for Runner Runner with Ben Affleck. Yeah. I was so mad. <laughs> we, at that point, we didn't even know who was if we'd ever get paid if we did the bets. Now it seems like people mostly get paid online. I'll tell you what I like is being in Vegas and just handing in a ticket and getting That's cash. Nice. Shout out to Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Heralibus. One more break to talk about Simply Safe Home Security. Before you guys start giving me crap saying I only like Simply Safe because they're from Boston, because they've been with the BS podcast back in the BS report days, none of that's true. I like Simply Safe because it's a great security system, awesome protection, very easy to use, and also because they're from Boston. They got started when a Harvard engineer's friend got burglarized. They went to get a security system. It was a huge hassle, too complicated, too expensive, terrible contracts. So he built something better, a comprehensive, easy-to-use protection with no contracts and fair prices that keeps your family and home safe 24-7, even during power outages like the one that LA just had all weekend when your Wi-Fi is down or if a burglar smashes your keypad. It's really thoughtfully designed, so it's never in your way. You probably won't even notice it. Plus, you can set it up in minutes. Literally anyone can use it. No contracts, 24-7 monitoring, $14.99 a month. That's it. Order a Simply Safe security system today. Simply Safe will also donate one to a family in need, but you have to go to simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. One last time, going back to the live show. Here we go. We are now going to bring in the legend, a chef who is in charge of 10 million restaurants, David Chang. Yeah. How about it? And coming back for seconds, Shea Serrano. My kind of guy, seconds. Seconds, literally. We went to Momofuku Vegas yesterday, and Chang was in charge of the menu, and it was a terrible idea. We ate an incredible amount and then went to play blackjack, and you're not going to believe it, but not a lot of energy at the table there for the first hour. Why do you blame the the food? All you have to do is point to a card. We're not digging ditches. Like he's like, ah, oh, we can never eat a big meal like this again before blackjack. Like, how hard is it Listen, physically? I believe in energy. I believe in energy and karma. I believe in the energy of a blackjack table. And five comatose guys sitting around a blackjack table does not win money. I've never seen well, it. Have- what happens? So last night we were losing. We were losing. We do fireball shots. Have you guys ever had fireball whiskey? Yeah. It's the only shot Sal can do. Sal doesn't love drinking. Uh, and it's basically like doing cocaine. I've never done cocaine, but I think it's, there's a lot of similarities. No. No. Uh, and it changed the table, and we went nuts. We went on a great run, all this stuff. Uh, all right, so we're going to do last meal on earth. Everyone, we're going to go around the horn. You have one meal left. We've done this on The Ringer uh, in the past, but basically, you know, when... You, you see this when, not to get dark, but when people are in death row, they have the last meal and they can order whatever they want. <laughs> Comedy killer. Not to no. get dark, but right before a person's murdered. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> the question is, if you knew it was your last meal, 
and you could do anything, what would you do? Joe House, you go first. Well, here, here's the thing. I uh, insist that as soon as we're done with this, we go eat somewhere because I need to uh, get over this hump that I'm currently operating under, which is my last meal on earth would be the last two meals that I just enjoyed. It would be the Momofuku experience so with this guy. Well, I'm trying not to. That's what I'm saying. We got to go eat so I don't die uh, immediately after you this. You got to get the meal in. So I got to get eat. one more meal in. This Momofuku experience, I mean, it was, it was uh, mind-blowing. We had the caviar boat with a lot of make-your-own. It was own. an actual boat. It came out like a boat. It was beautiful. We had uh, salmon roe. There was uni. There was hamachi. It was an, uh, an unbelievable kickoff to a meal. There was wagyu. There was Benton ham. The beautiful uh, madeleines, the, the, the corn madeleines. Uh, we had Cote de Buff. I mean, we it cover was his just, re- erection yeah. right now. I think he has a boner. <laughs> Jesus. It's been going for longer than four hours. And then we gamble all night. I go to bed. I've been awake for 23 hours. I wake up. The first thing I see on my phone is a text from this dude who's like, I can't sleep. We need to go to Palace Station. I don't know, Vegas people, Palace Station, the, the Oyster Bar. It's a 16-seat half round where they prepare to order uh, seafood. Basically, it's, it's, it's gumbo, but it's, it's much better than gumbo. It's the, the right, oyster it's pan soupy. roast. Yeah, it's not No, the, the oyster pan roast at Palace Station. We are there at 8.15 in the morning. <laughs> Every seat is taken. We have to stand in line. We waited now, like 30 minutes. Yeah. yeah, we waited for 30 minutes. We were the only ones in line, but we had to wait. How are you hungry? That's the part I don't no, understand. We, we ate so much food. We just felt like shit, so it was the only thing that I thought was sensible. And I knew that he'd be it. Right. Because I, I didn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. So uh, So that's it. So, House, you've achieved your last meal on Earth. So we have to go eat right after this. Okay. That was, so I don't die. That was a tremendous meal last night. That, and, and this morning. Yeah, the best thing about the meal is, and I, I don't know if this was just for us or everyone gets a steal. It was free. He didn't bring us a check. So <laughs> if you're going to go to Momofuku, expect not to pay, right? Well, put it on Sal's account. We had like three entrees too many. Everybody was like basically could have moved. And then a giant milk birthday cake came out. And then we ate that. And that's that was. We really did eat that. It was Sal's birthday. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Chang, what do you got? Um, I really dislike this question because I get it asked all the time and uh, the answers are always sort of annoying um, because I can always choose some far off place. Um, But last time I said this, I think I said San Sebastian. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. And that's so annoying. It is so annoying. But there's a place called Echabari. And before, it's Elcano Echabari. These are the two restaurants that I genuinely think about. I would probably think something in Japan or some barbecue restaurant in Texas, but what I actually think about is um, this this restaurant that's like nestled at the in the mountains in um, about an hour outside San Sebastian, and uh, it's just like nothing else. Everything's cooked over a grill. Um, they have the the best of the best of the best, and it's simply done. And it's kind of those. It's it's a it's a restaurant that you plan to go to and it's not like fufu you know what i mean it's just like simple and the best steak the best shrimp the best caviar everything is amazing so um that's the shit that i crave 
That'd be your number one choice right now. It's, okay, it's always changing. It should be. Problem. We should have this on the ringer where you have just your monthly power rankings and you move, <laughs> move restaurants up and down. I'm sure that right. wouldn't cause any problems. But like, here's for you. here's the crazy thing. This morning when we were eating there, yes, I, it was easily like, oh man, we said this. Like, it was this the is, best. This is what I'd want to eat on death row. We were eating raw oysters at eight thirty this morning, <laughs> and they were fucking delicious. They and, went off to a chapel and got married. And- <laughs> so so that's the thing it's 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 constantly in flux and it's oftentimes it's the people you're with as, as cliche and cheesy as that sounds but um eating's this fun communal thing and and i want to have a um experience that's not just delicious but like entertaining so shay serrano i feel like the four of y'all before this started gathered together and said hey let's make up let's just make up a bunch of shit and see if shay notices <laughs> I don't know any of the words y'all are saying right now. <laughs> this is fucking... I don't know what that is. I don't want to eat any of that. My, the, my last meal on earth, it, it costs $4.50. There's a place in San Antonio called Mendez Cafe yeah. off of Southwest Military, which is like where you go when you want to get shot or stabbed. <laughs> and you go in there and they only take cash and they're only open like whenever they want to be open. Sometimes they just close whenever. Um, but I would get a Carnegie Sala and cheese taco and a bean and cheese taco and a Big Red and that's all that I need to eat and you know I cross, you cross my finger cross my fingers and you hope I don't get food poisoning because it's one of those types of places right Right. It's You're taking a slight delicious risk. or like the worst night of your You're on life on death row it doesn't yeah. matter I'm going to die anyway so fuck it yeah. we'll go for it that's what I'm going to eat that's all that I need I don't know all this fancy stuff y'all guys are talking about Popeye's chicken would be good too my yeah. number one. See, I'm already switching them. Now we're talking about real. Oh, that, there's there's variations and levels of like what you're feeling, and you know what I mean. Even if it's death row, it's like Popeye's chicken be the best meal. Yeah, it really can be. When give, me, we were, give me Mexican food. You know what's crazy? This is gonna blow your mind. Mexicans don't call Mexican food Mexican food. We just call what? it food. It's just food. That's <laughs> all that it is. Do you want to eat? Is what we say, and then we eat that. <laughs> throw that out there for you guys. So what do you got? I'm going to keep it simple, and I think everyone in this room is lying if they said, I'm going to change it a little bit, because if you had one food left you could eat for the rest of your life, Desert Island, you would go pizza. And it would also be my last meal, Branch and Ellie's Pizza, Hop Hog Long Island. Nobody? Uh, All right, you can pretend to know it, yeah. They have the pepperoni on it, but not the circular pepperoni. It's the one that curls up. Or you bake it and it curls up. Oh. It's just... Oh, I like when the pepperonis oh, curl up. it's the best. It's the best. And you, you, you have five, six, seven slices. Why can't one. everybody get the pepperonis to curl up? Yeah, what is it? What is it? How do you get the pepperonis to curl up, Jack? Tell, tell, us, you know, all the tell us about the pepperonis. Well, my, my favorite pizza in, uh, in Manhattan is Spring Street Pizza. You got to get the spicy pepperoni squares. Yeah, that's good. And that, that curls up and it pools of oil in the pepperoni. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's... That's the square pizza is like all the rage right now. So those girlfriends that you called out who got dragged here and didn't want to hear about Reggie Evans, are they more engaged now with this food I conversation? I think there's you more engaged now. They left the one. Here. You more, more en- engaged? Better. better? Okay. okay. More engaged, but technically less engaged because she just broke up the engagement with the guy next. To her. <laughs> so uh, I'm changing my answer since the last time I did this. I was watching Goodfellas a few weeks ago. And there's that scene when those guys, they go and they drive away. They, they, they kill, who is it, Billy Bats? Yeah, it's in the trunk. And he's in the trunk, and they go to bury him. And then they're going back, and they have to get rid of the clothes. And they somehow wake up Joe Pesci's mom, and she immediately decides to cook for them. That's the best. Which, 
which is like the most Italian part of that movie. There's a lot of Italian parts. I'm half Italian. Are you half? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's the Italian, the aunts, the moms, the grandmothers. They just want to cook. All they want to do is make everyone around them as fat as possible at all times. So it's four in the morning. Joe Pesci is covered in blood and the mom's like... Here, I want to let me make you some meatballs and pasta. Mm. Um, but that got me thinking. Nothing I enjoy nothing more than my mom's cooking. And a family member who knows how to cook Italian food, there's just something special about it. Like the meatballs, mm. knowing my mom slaved over it, the sauce. So I would go with like uh, she does like a chicken cacciatore, meatballs, Caesar salad. Are you crying right now? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you get it though. The good fight, the good fellow scene actually makes me hungry, which is funny because Joe Pesci's covered in blood, awesome. and they've just buried a guy in the desert or wherever they did. And she pulls out the painting. He's like, "One's looking this way, one's looking the other way." <laughs> I love it. Um, before we go, I want to talk about uh, chefs and NBA players, similarities and dissimilarities. The, a topic near and dear to your heart, Chang. Yeah, jeez. So, if t- so shave. Tim Duncan's a chef. What does Tim Duncan's restaurant look like? Uh, it looks like. Um, did you ever see Aladdin when Aladdin just wanted bread and water? That's Tim Duncan's <laughs> restaurant. Just put a thing of bread and water. It, Burgers and fries. And it's called Restaurant. That's the name <laughs> of, the, of the restaurant. Yeah, when we were driving from LA to Vegas, there's a restaurant halfway on the ride, like in Death Valley, and, and the sign just says Eat. E-A-T. That was the name of the restaurant, Eat. Because I think they think everyone's so punch drunk on the drive. Uh, Chang, chefs and NBA players. Um, one of my chefs in the restaurant group, uh, I actually told him, stop trying to be LeBron James, right? So what does that mean? Well, like the whole idea, like when he's not on the court, like there's not a rhythm, right? So <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. So you can be so good and not develop any kind of like system to make your other teammates better. And that's the, that's the hardest part of being a chef. I think when you're really talented is you can't make anyone else better. It just takes time. And, and we talked about Russell Westbrook. So it's like a little bit like Russell Westbrook, a little bit like LeBron James. I think a lot of chefs want to play hero ball and that's when they get fucked. What I, is I've been guilty, guilty of that many times. What's the chef equivalent of a Russell Westbrook shooting 43 shots in a game six? I've been guilty of that probably like 2008 to 2012, probably. Right? You're just clearing everybody out. You want to make everybody. Or like, oh, you're fucking that up. I'm going to do it. You move over there. I'll do it. What the hell are we talking about? Right <laughs> like if you're in a kitchen, if you're in a kitchen, if you're in a kitchen, right. And like, you're seeing, you're seeing one of your like cooks or your sous chefs trying to make something and they're fucking it up. Right. You're like, you stop doing what you're doing and I'll just do it for you. Right. Yeah. That's you're what you're I'm not Does that make any sense? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Can I ask you one thing? I yeah. don't know why I would ask you, or if anybody knows, but why does it say shave ice when you go to Hawaii? And it, it doesn't say shaved ice. It says shave ice, right? Shave ice? It says shave ice. I swear to God, look it up. It says shave how ice. Did, how did we like get that? to this? Yeah, boy. <laughs> this is you, just something you were questioning my, my... <laughs> This is a real thing that happens. I don't... Players and chefs. Shave ice. They got you should have heard a conversation it's last night at the blackjack table. This is um, if yeah. if chefs had to deal with stuff NBA players had to deal with. The part that I think you would have the most trouble with is the post game press conference. <laughs> I would probably be like Popovich. I yeah. would just be like, yes, no. You would just the, berate people and also yell people. Yeah, at the at the journalist, I'd probably freak out. House, you mentioned when we came to Vegas, how all these great restaurants are here now. And it seems like every chef has taken a whack 
Like even when we were driving back from Thomas and Mack Center today, and we we're driving by Giordano's. Yeah, Giordano's. I was like, "What is that? That place sounds familiar." It's like, "Oh, that's the famous Chicago deep dish place." And there's like 120 restaurants like that in Vegas now. Um, uh, how the, did this start? And the, what, is it well, just the, the, keep the, going? The, the secret joke amongst like chefs that are opening up restaurants in Las Vegas or on an expansion tear is they must have gotten divorced. Uh, what does that? It mean? happens a lot. With uh, chefs that are opening up like three to four Oh, because they're here in Vegas. Or, because they need money or they need to ah. expand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. It happens a lot. You can see it a lot with the, the, the French and European chefs that open up restaurants in like Japan and Korea and Abu Dhabi. Like, that's like the equivalent of doing like being a Hollywood actor and doing a commercial in Japan that you hope that no one ever sees. So when we're doing a live BS report every night from Vegas, you'll know I'm going through a divorce? <laughs> 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 yeah. Does it make is the gambling number one for you here? Or is it the food? It's the food now. This is we 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 covered this actually. The couple podcasts to look forward to next week. The Dave Chang Show crossover mm. with House of Cards. Oh yeah, the crowd got into that. <laughs> wow. And we talked about the you know this this kind of immense changeover, all in kind of a single generation of, of Vegas becoming an incredible food town. And all of the opportunities that have arisen and just like it feels like the last 10 years or so. But now the food is absolutely as uh, enticing to me as any of the gambling. But the quality of life is better here for cooks. Like I, I was just told that four cooks bought a house last month. That does not happen in New York City. Right. Right. There's no state income tax. That's a huge thing for a cook that makes, you know, not as much money as you might think. Sal, you, you don't want to hear any of this. You think of Vegas and it's gambling, gambling, I'm, I'm gambling. I'm sorry, I'm fixated on that. I knew you were going to do this. Yeah, Sal uh, thinks that looks like Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> that is Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, and what is growing out of your ears? What are they doing there? Uh, it's marijuana. Oh, uh, it's marijuana. How did, how did you come up with shave ice? That was your one question. Shave ice on me, guys, after this. But look it up. There's not one side I wish we could hand out the shave Shay, uh, when you come to Vegas, you don't gamble. No. I mean, I played poker. So what do you make of it? Oh, you played poker. So what do you make of it? Give, the, give us the Shea Serrano take of Vegas. Oh, but Vegas is terrible. The first time I came, I came with Jason Concepcion. <laughs> we got off the plane. We got in a cab. We got to our, our hotel. And like five minutes later, I was like, this place fucking sucks. I want to go home. Like, it's a <laughs> Come on. It's too hot. And there's too much. It's too hot. You live in Texas. It's, too, it's a different kind of hot. Same this is like, this hot feels racist for some reason. <laughs> That's what this hot feels like. I don't like it. I want to go home. So. <laughs> what, Chang, what are your predictions for Vegas next 10 years? Um, I think more talented cooks are going to start moving here. Like literally moving here? And yeah. this will be their home operations? I mean, you can work in New York City and never get your opportunity. And you can have this, just more, there's more shit you can do here and higher quality of life. New York is no longer, in my opinion, unfortunately, the culinary epicenter of America. So every town in America has great food. Almost every town has like a ramen shop now. That's fucking crazy. 14 years ago, there was not even one in New York City. Um, so now, like when I go to Nashville, because a lot of my friends work down there, you go to the, the bars where uh, it's after service and all the cooks are getting drunk. They're all New Yorkers. They're all New York trained. I don't say all. I'd say like 60 to 70% are. So... Nashville, Charleston, Austin, Houston. Uh, I moved to LA, right? Like everyone's moving out. So I think Las Vegas, because it's the, the quality of life, you can make more money in the casino restaurants and there's no state income tax. That's a huge Yeah, thing. remember that, like about six, seven years ago, there was people started thinking Vegas over expanded. 
This is the, the, these casinos. They're well, going under. Like, do, oh, they, they, this was too much too soon. The, the economy collapsed. It, true story. I signed a deal to do the Echelon Resort by Boyd Gaming. Do you guys I don't know even know what that? that was. They blew up the Stardust, and that's what it was going to be. And uh, we signed our closing deal the day before the economy collapsed. Hmm. That's why I couldn't open a restaurant in Las Vegas. I was part of that contract. And you just had to wait it out. I had, I had to wait it out. Yeah, I think, yeah, it seems like it's turned and I think the sports is at least a tiny part of it. Like when they, they're going to get an NBA team, I think there will be an NBA team here in the next five years. I think it'll be Seattle and Vegas, uh, but you, I can't even believe you're asking for an expansion team. Three teams have the best 10 players and you well, want to add 30 four. or 32. Who cares? Who cares? There's still going to be three or four teams that matter. And, and Ted Cruz are going to be the backcourt of the Seattle Seamonkeys. <laughs> like, what are, we, what are we striving for here? That should have been our worst bet conversation. That was a bad bet. Yeah. We stared at those odds, and we knew probably Ted Cruz was... I did. Yeah, there were no I officials. I bet on my cousin, and he went 0 for 36, his first 36 <laughs> shots, which is almost impossible. He went 0 for 36? 0 for 36. Jesus. It was like the Houston Rockets almost. Yeah. Not like that. All right, we're going to wrap it up. Chang, any, any last thoughts? Let me ask Chang one thing. Do you think they'll ever... No, this is serious. <laughs> Why don't they serve finger foods to, around the tables? Wouldn't that benefit... For blackjack? Wouldn't people, wouldn't people stay longer, or does that sober them up too much? I think they do a pretty good job of keeping people in the casino. I know, but you right. could always do more, right? I mean, they know... No, I mean... Wow, this could be a really long conversation, but there's a reason no, as, forget to, it, forget as to why you don't give free food. Germs, hygiene, right? Even in in the a, drinks are free. Drinks are free. Yeah. You know what's weird? In the uh, we spoke about the Asian casinos today. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Singapore, and Macau, there's no alcohol. Oh, or Macau maybe I can't remember. Singapore, no alcohol in the casino, only tea. It's weird. Mm. We went to. That's because uh, the dealers are fully nude, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our friend, uh, our friend Chen and I went to the <laughs> Cleveland Casino, which is right in the middle of downtown. Smoke free, strike number one. Pay for drinks, strike number two. And it was like it was surreal. It was like being on a movie set of a fake casino. Yeah. And needless to say, not a lot of energy in the. Uh, in I like the, the casino, casino in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty good. What? I know, I know. I've had good times there. You know what casino I like? Caesars Palace. They've been uh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for coming out. This was a nice size. Sorry, uh, sorry for the three and a half ladies out here who got dragged out. And we talked about Reggie Evans for two minutes there. But uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks to everybody who came on. And uh, thanks for coming out. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Caesars Palace for hosting us and for having us at the Cleopatra's Barge. Remember, up to 10% off at the Caesars Palace properties. Use offer code LVPOD. LVPOD. Thanks to SuperSafe Home Security Comprehensive. Easy to use protection. No contracts. Fair price. Only $14.99 a month. Keeps your family and your home safe 24-7. Even during power outages when your Wi-Fi is down. If a burglar smashes your keypad, whatever happens, order Simply Safe Security System today. Simply Safe will also donate one to a family in need. Go to simplysafe.com/slash BS. Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com/slash BS. We are going to be back with two more BS podcasts this week. I know, I know, you can't wait. I know it's cruel to keep you keep you waiting for that long, but it's going to happen. We're also going to do a new episode of the Rewatchables. I have no idea which one yet. But it's happening. We're going to run a poll. By the time you hear this podcast, the first part of the poll will be up. 
I'll just tell you what the poll is now. We're giving you two choices. Choice A will be stepbrothers. Choice B will be Tom Cruise week. And you're going to pick that. And if you pick Tom Cruise week, we're going to put a poll up the next day with four Tom Cruise movies. And then you get to pick that one. And then we're going to be back with the rewatchables. So that's what's going to happen this week. It's either going to be stepbrothers or Tom Cruise, one or the other. I somehow like doing the rewatchables more than my own podcast now. Is that weird? It's like my mistress. It's my podcast mistress. It's my side piece of podcasts. Check it out, the rewatchables. We did Jaws last week. It's going to be hard to top that one, but we're going to try. We have uh, 13 more episodes of this 20-episode run. Anyway, back more this week, the BS Podcast. Until then. Until then. 